I want to just share this morning something that God has been speaking to me over the last two weeks about, and uh, he spoke to me a while ago, but just refreshed me again in the last two weeks. And uh, I know that this morning it's going to be both encouraging and also challenging for us. And uh, I found it both for myself, uh, both encouraging and also challenging. And uh, I want to share with you this morning about the, the call of God, the call of God. And I put in brackets there the hidden call of God, because often we wrestle about the idea of the call of God over our lives. And uh, I don't know about you, but I certainly have, about what is the call of God. And, and it appears that for some people it seems so obvious, but for others, we wrestle with it. I don't know about you, but I know many people that have wrestled with the idea of the call of God. And uh, this morning, I want to encourage you with this. I want to help you uh, on the journey of discovery with that. Uh, many people wrestle over discovering God's call for their life. And uh, one of the things I notice is that some people have a clear sense of God's call, but for many that they don't. And when you don't have a clear sense of God's call, when you don't see it, when, you, when you're struggling with this, one of the things that can do it can lead to frustration in life. It can lead to a sense of unfulfillment in your life. Uh, some people end up becoming lost. They, uh, when they struggle to find God's purpose or God's call on their life, they often come lost and, and start searching and start wandering this place and that place and, 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 and end up living a life full of frustration. And This morning I want to help you. I want to help, uh, for those of you that are here and you're struggling to find that, I want to help encourage you to, uh, to help ease the frustration and give you a different perspective on how you can live your life and how you uh, give you a different perspective on the call of God. So for many people, uh, they live their life with a clear sense of the call of God over their life. Some people, they know that God's got a call over their life, but they don't really know what it is, and they can spend years searching for it, but yet it's always been right in front of them. Some people, they, they live their life with absolutely no sense of God's call over their life at all, for many people, they live their life on the basis of life is what it is. Things either happen in my favor or they don't. Life is coincidental and there is no divine providence or direction in any part of my life. That's how a lot of people live their lives. They don't believe in God. They don't believe that God has a plan for them. They don't believe that, uh, that, that God has brought them to such places and, and created them in such a way with such a purpose. What a life to live, to live a life just with just thinking that your life is just purely coincidental. But sadly, so many people live like that. And they die never really discovering God's call upon their life. I think it was, um, uh, I can't recall his name, but he said, one of, he said there's two great days in a person's life, the day that they were born and the, the day that they discovered why they were born. Two great days in your life. And today I want to help you discover the why your life exists. And each and every one of us will have to discover that on our own. But I want to help you this morning on the journey of why. And you look, that was fantastic. <laughs> Love it. Today I want to look at, uh, and, and just as I was contemplating that the story of uh, unfolding God's call for our life and, and what God is speaking to me personally about, I, I found, my, some, found myself drawn to the book of Esther again. It's interesting when you start to look at the book of Esther because the book of Esther is one of two books in the Bible that don't mention God. They are one of, it's, there's, uh, I think it's, it's, uh, it's Esther, and, uh, and it could be uh, Song of Solomon or, or one of the other books like that. But it's one of the two books in the Bible that do not mention the word God at all. So this question is why? Why is, such a, why is such a book in the Bible? Why is there a book in the Bible that doesn't even mention God? What, what is the point of it even being there? 
when you start to start to question like that, it's, uh, start to explore the reason why, you'll discover uh, all of ourselves will find ourselves in the book of Esther at some point. The, the, the whole book of Esther describes, it, it, it's, a, it's a both a fearful book, but it's also both a very, it's an amazing book in itself. It's a, the Esther is a powerful book because it records the moment when it was resolved to destroy, to slay, and to exterminate all Jews, young and old, children and women, men, in a single day. In other words, it was the day, it, was, it records the moment where the first warrant for genocide against the Jewish people was set out. You and I are not facing genocide right now. But it was a time where the people of God were in a foreign land. They were in exile. They weren't in their own land. They'd been taken out of their own land. They'd been taken captive. And they were living in a place of exile. And then while in the place of exile, you can read through the, you can read through the, the book of Genesis yourself to, just to familiarize yourself. But, but essentially it was this. It came to a point where all the Jews living in exile were about to be wiped out. Every single one of them were about to be destroyed. They were simply facing de- uh, uh, genocide. One of the things when you... Uh, we've got Shane Willard coming up in a, few, in a few, uh, couple of months, an amazing man of God who can really unpack and help us understand the Scripture. For us today, we live in a new covenant, which means that God, uh, uh, Jesus Christ has uh, given us his Holy Spirit. We know that we're never alone. But in the Old Testament... This, came from, this is, comes from Shane Willard's teaching, is that from the Old Testament, the presence of God was confined to, a, to, a geograph, uh, to, to land, to geography. In other words, the presence of God was confined to one, a tabernacle, and two, it was confined to the land of Israel. So when the people of God were out of their own land in a place of, uh, in a place of captivity or in a place of exile, it simply means this, that they were outside the presence of God. They were outside the presence of God. So here they are, they were living outside the presence of God. The only way that they could hear God's voice, the only way that they could uh, uh, feel his presence is if they were in their own land. The only way that they could get forgiveness of sins is if they went to the temple and they went through a passage of right, some, some, uh, some procedures. So here they are, they're in a living in a place, they're living in a foreign land, they're living in a place where they're about to face total genocide. Every one of them is about to be wiped out, man, woman, Child, young and old, were about to be taken out. I don't know about you, but one of the things I discovered is this, that one, I think, thank the Lord that I'm not living in such a time. Two, I also noticed that many people today are facing a different type of genocide. You don't have to look very far to see that many people, our lives are being robbed. We see drugs, uh, addiction, robbing people's lives. You see good people. God's people, people that God has ordained to live a, a life of purpose in, in, in this world today, have been taken by demonic forces. They've been held by addiction. They've been held by drugs. They've been held by depression. They've been held by all sorts of things. When you look, for, you don't have to look very far to see that a genocide, a spiritual genocide, in, in, in a sense, is across our nation. It's happening. You don't have to look very far to see young people taking their lives. You don't have to be look very far to see one family taking the life of another family member. You don't have to look very far to see that happen. It lives in a time where the voice of God seems so distant, or the presence of God seems so distant. I don't know about you, but I've experienced, not genocide, but I've experienced times, difficult times. It's an amazing thing of perspective that you put our life, the struggles that you and I face, 
into perspective with what a lot of other people face, you'll find that your problems all of a sudden take a, a step downwards. But you and I will often find ourselves in such a place where the voice of God seems distant. I don't know about you, but there's been times when I have been in a difficult situation, not facing a genocide as such, but I've been in a difficult situation where it's been like, God, I can't feel your presence. Are you there? Lord, I need to hear you speak to me. Why aren't you speaking to me? It's an interesting, it raises the question people often ask in difficult times is this. Where is God in all this? Why isn't he speaking clearly? Why isn't he even, even allowing this to happen? I don't know if you've ever been in situations like that. Even in my walk in, the, in, the, in, in church, in, in my life in various places, I've, I've come to points in my life where I've just had to ask God this very question. Where are you in this? Where, how can this be happening to me? How can this be happening amongst us? How can I not feel your presence? Lord, I need you. If there's any other time, Lord, that I need to feel your presence and know that you're with me, Lord, it is right now. Where are you? How many people have ever prayed something like that before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord, I just need to know what your plan, and if you only you tell me what your purpose for my life would be, then my life would be just fantastic and would solve all my problems. <laughs> you, ever, you ever had that kind of conversation with the Lord before? Yeah, I have. I want to encourage you with my journey in this too. It's amazing, when I, as I started to read this, I thought, I wonder what kind of Jewish festival is going on at this time. And one of the things I... I I'm not Jewish myself, obviously, but one of the things I know is there's always spiritual significance to Jewish festivals. And uh, there's a spiritual, even though we're in the New Covenant, there's always, when you look at Jewish festivals, there's always God, there's always something in there that God is wanting to speak to us about. And as I started to, uh, I thought, well, wonder what's going on right now. And it was interesting that at the time uh, I was thinking about Esther, there's this festival going on, and it's the festival called Purim. And it is held on this year, on February 28th to the 1st of March of 2018. In other words, exactly the same time that I felt the Lord speaking to me about Esther, there happens to be this festival that's going on. And let me tell you about this. This is the only festival in the Jewish year set entirely in exile. In other words, it is the only festival that there's, there's, the people of God went through and it was where they were in a place of captivity. Every other, every other festival that the Jewish people went through was either on their way to Israel or on the way to a promise of God or they were in their land. This is the only festival that they were held in the time of exile. And this, I'm going to unpack this for you. Every other festival, Purim alone is set in the place where the people of God are out of Israel. In other words, this is the time where Esther was a living. This is the festival that happened in the, in the, in the life of Esther. It was based in the time where, the, where, the, where people had felt God had abandoned them felt hard to feel the presence of God. When it felt right that God would stop talking, that is the book of Esther. And it comes from what, uh, what you would describe as a secularized world. In other words, there was no mention of God. Yeah, this is the time, and funny enough, that it was just in the last couple of weeks that the Jewish people celebrated this festival. In other words, there's got to be, for me, something God is speaking to us about the story of Esther. It's an amazing time that we're living in right now. And so one of the things it says that uh, when you start to read through the book of Esther, it had come to the point where genocide was about to, uh, the decree for genocide was about to go out over the nation, and every one of them was about to be destroyed. So there's a, a dialogue that is taking place between Esther and her uncle Mordecai. One of the things that we can read in the story is that Esther had been taken as a Jewish woman, and she had 
she'd gone through the process of becoming a queen, and she was at the point where she'd been chosen queen. But yet, in this very same place, even, so, even still, she was also facing a genocide. And I'll just start to unpack this a little bit more. And so she, her uncle Mordecai has got wind of it, and then they had a conversation, there was a dialogue taking place. And then uh, Mordecai said these words to her. He said in chapter, four, in chapter 4, verse 13, after talking to her uncle Mordecai about the king, about the fate of the Jewish people, Mordecai says this powerful statement. Mordecai said to Esther, he sent a message to Esther, do not think in your heart or do not believe in your heart that you will escape the king's palace more than, that you will escape in the king's palace more than any other Jews. In other words, don't you think that you're going to get away from this? Don't think that just because you're a queen in the king's palace, don't just think that just because you're in the place where you are, don't think that just where you are, where, God, where you are positioned in life, that you're going to escape this. It's going to come to you. You're going to feel it. It's going to come to you. It says, for if you remain completely silent at this time, I want you to hear the voice of God in this. I want you to hear prophetically what God is, I feel God is speaking to us about. If you remain silent at this time, in other words, if your posture is that of passivity, if you think in your heart that you're safe where you are, maybe you have a position in your workplace, maybe you have a position in the business world, maybe you even have a ministry position. If you think that you are safe where you are, you've got to think about this again. If you remain silent, in other words, if you withdraw, if you just close your eyes and pretend everything's going to go away or the bad monsters are going to disappear, honey, I've got, I got bad news for you. It's not going to work like that. If you remain silent at this time, at the time where the people of God need a leader most, if you remain silent at this time, when the time where God's people are facing Genocide. Friends, today, I can tell you right now, like I said, you don't have to look very far to see that our nation, our region here, needs the touch of God upon their life. People here today, maybe you're, not, maybe you're here and you're one of them, desperately needing the power of God to set them free, desperately in a place where God seems like so far away. Desperate a need to hear the voice of God for their life. I can tell you right now, I drove through Otara the other day. There are people today that are facing genocide in a different sort. Even people that are wealthy, facing issues in life that no money can solve. We're facing a genocide. We face issues in life where it may not be directly in our face, but it is here, it is very, very present. The amount of young people in our community today that are attempting suicide, the amount of young people today, the amount of people today that are depressed, that are addicted, that are tormented by demons, driven to physical death by demonic powers that psychologists say aren't real. <laughs> My golly, they're real. People today driven to all sorts of things. People today driven to prostitutes because there's no love, they've not experienced, there's broken down families, there's broken down relationships, people drawn to all sorts of things. Don't tell me there's not a genocide facing outside our community right now. 
Rich people, medium people, old people, young people, poor people, it doesn't really matter. In every group of people, you'll find that there's a struggle going on in their heart. And the only one that can set them free is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ has commissioned you and I, his body, you are his body. If you're here today and you receive Jesus Christ, you are one, you're part of his body. Two, you're also part of his mission on earth. And it's very easy for us to once experience the love of God, to sit in the church here and, and just have, sing happy, clappy songs. But there comes a time in our life, oh, we can play the guitar, we can play the drums, we can do whatever, we can be on the door. But there's a, all of those are wonderful, but there's a time in our life where God calls us to rise up above the space that we're living in and become a voice his voice of hope into the community around us. Friends, I'm not here just to play church. I'm not here just to entertain people. I'm not here just to stroke your needs. I'm not here just to help you be happy. I'm not here for, I, I want to be part of that. By all means, I want you to be happy. Don't get me wrong. But in my sense, my heart, there's a greater call of God inside of us. I'm not here just to preach you a message. I'm not here just for that. I'm not here just to come together and fellowship and have good times. Friends, there's a greater sense of the purpose of God inside of us, and it has to be within every one of us as the church. If it's not, here it comes back to Mordecai, what he said to Esther. If you remain silent, at the, don't think that just, in your, just because you're in the church, just because you're here, it's not going to affect you. I can tell you now, it'll affect you. You'll feel the effect. But he said, if you remain silent at this time, if you remain passive in your heart, if you decide in your heart that you're going to sit down and just enjoy the rest of your life, if you're going to do nothing, if you want to just sit down, every one of us has got that option, my friends. I've got the option. I've always got that option to go and just enjoy the rest of my life. I think about it sometimes. <laughs> but there is something inside of my heart that says, no, 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 no. And it's that something inside of your heart is the hidden call of God. Friends, God has never boomed out of heaven to me. I've never seen a burning bush, but yet I've done things. I've done things in my life that has literally shifted the course of eternity for people. And I want to show you how you can do that. One of the first things is this. Mordecai said to Esther, don't think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief, or another version says, enlargement and deliverance will arise for the people of God from another place but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows that whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. In other words, he's saying, there is something inside of Mordecai's spirit that says, perhaps, perhaps this young lady here has come to this point in her life, not just by accident, not just by chance, but perhaps there is a bigger call, there is something bigger going on inside of her life today. Perhaps there is a, a greater, a higher call in all of this. And I want to encourage you today, wherever you are at, it's, it's, when you, sometimes when you're looking, all of us are, are caught in the present. We're in, a, we're in the present space of time. In other words, there is an unknown future this way and there is a known past behind us. Every one of us know our past. Everyone know the, the things that have, happened in our past. But it's not often until we 
look back that we can see the hand of God, how he's been interwoven in all our choices. That even though we were abused, even though we had brokenness, even though that we had tough times, we had good times, we had tough times, and all the way through that, you can see the weave of the hand of God in our midst. Sometimes it's, you've got to take time to remember the goodness of the Lord in order for you to discover what God has in front of you. <laughs> There's a little hint for you. He says, don't, he says, um, and also one of the things I've found is this, that there are many people that come to this point where you can see, you can see the two people at play here. You can see Mordecai and Esther. Mordecai and Esther. All of us will find ourselves in the place of either Mordecai or Esther at some point in our life. Maybe we'll also find ourselves in the place of genocide. But all of us will find ourselves there. One of the things I've discovered was this. I've watched people come into the church, and I've watched people, and, and not just in this church, but other churches, and I've watched people whose hand God is upon, I've seen God's hand upon. They almost get to a point in their life where they're about to move into God's purpose, where they're about to get a lift up in life, where they're about to move up a notch, where they're about to enter into a new season into their life. I, mean, I, can, I, I can even show you my diary where I've got diaries where, I'm, where I've had people in my heart and about what God wants to speak to their life about. And all of a sudden, they get to a point. They're about to get a lift up, and they choose to either walk away or to run away not realizing that everything in their life has brought them to this point. And who knows that just at such a time as this, at a point in time that God has used all of these, has brought you to a place where you're now about to step up into a new level. I've watched people where they're about to come into the call of God, and I've felt it in my spirit, I've seen it in the spirit, and they've decided just to walk away. They've decided to take a a new job over here. They've decided to just walk away. Some have run away. Some have just gone off to another church. All of it kind of sounds noble. All of it sounds could be justified. But one of the things I felt in my heart was, what if God had brought you to this point at this time and instead of putting a voice, instead of coming up, instead of standing up to the mark, instead of recognizing God's hand upon your life, you just withdrew. All of us will come to that point. I've come to that point a number of times. Where I've discovered, and there's times when I wanted to walk away. There was times where I just wanted to go and get a, an executive job somewhere and, and, and get on a very high salary. This, it's crossed my mind. <laughs> but I know in my heart that if I did that, I would benefit for a little while but actually what, would, what I'd lose out on was a great plan and a great call on my life, and a call on my family as well. I would literally shift the course of the destiny of God for my life. There are many people that come to this point. This, there's, a, there's, a, there's a Hebrew saying that, that, uh, that represents this, and it's called Heshkar Pratet, which means it challenges the idea that God is up there somewhere, too highly exalted to be part of our lives, but it is rather the opposite. Before the Holy Spirit was given to us, there's a, there's a Hebrew term called, called Heshkar Pratet, which means that God is with us all of the time, that 
It simply means that this, that God never abandons us. doesn't matter how far he seems to be away. It doesn't matter how difficult life seems to be. That God, one, that God never, ever abandons us. And I want to tell you here today, God has never abandoned you. It may feel like God has stopped talking. It may feel like the heavens are silent. But I want to encourage you today, God has never stopped talking. It's just our, our ears start to listen to other things. Two, it also represents this, that wherever we are, God is asking to realize why he has put us here with these gifts at this time, with these risks in this place. That he puts us here with something to do, even in the worst possible situations. That if we have ears that are tuned to hear him, we can hear him calling to us as individuals and also calling to, him, calling to us as a church, saying, was it not for this very challenge that you are here for this purpose at this time? You may think on your life that where God, is, where God, where are you? It may feel like God is distant. It may feel like at times when you're not hearing the voice of God. But friends, I want to encourage you that he has never abandoned us. His promise of the Holy Spirit, the new covenant promise through Jesus Christ, I will send the Holy Spirit and he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. There are times when our, our heart starts to listen to other voices. It's, it's time where uh, we can hear other things, but he never, he never abandons us. And I want to open up just a, just a little bit more for you. There was something that Mordecai had in his heart, was this. Mordecai held this fundamental belief in his heart that caused him to hear, this is another Hebrew word, I'm going to put it up here. It, it, the word is veikra. Veikra, it's the Hebrew word called veikra. And it represents the call of God. In essence, one of the things that when you, when, in Leviticus chapter 1, it starts, off by, it starts off by saying, and the Lord called Moses. Essentially, it's saying, in the, in the Hebraic language, it's saying the same word. That is the word that is used to describe the call of God. We've got it up there? There it is, right there. That is the word that is used to describe the call of God. Now, one of the things, when you look at the language, you see that there's an A on the end there. And I'm not going to unpack this for you right now. But the way that it is written is this, that sometimes in the, in the language, languages are amazing. When you look at, start to study languages, Sometimes we read it as just a word, but for many languages, there is a word picture in there as well. And the way that this word is pronounced and the way that this word is written, the A on the end is, is written quite small. In other words, it's written small not for the sake of somebody ran out of ink or somebody wanted to write small writing, but it is written in a small way because of this, because some, it represents the call of God. That sometimes there are some words, they have a silent they have a silent. If you're an English teacher, you'll understand. Some, some words are silent. They're present, but they're silent. You get that? That little word, that letter A on the end of it, it's, it's present, but it's, sometimes it's silent. It's written like that to describe that sometimes that is how God speaks. That sometimes that God will speak to us out of a burning bush. But sometimes God speaks to us through a still, smile, silent voice in their spirit. That often we're expecting a boom out of heaven or a flash in the pan or, or a great prophetic word from a great prophet to speak to us regarding our, prophet, regarding our destiny. But actually the Jewish understood that actually it's not always like that. Sometimes you have to have a, when you hear the word, vikra, sometimes you hear the word, the A, sometimes you don't. Essentially it's saying this, that sometimes the voice of God is clearly 
audible. And I'd love it to be like that sometimes. But sometimes the voice of God is not so clearly audible. There's sometimes that you've got to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Sometimes if you don't have ears to hear, if your ears are cluttered up by other things, by your disappointment. Sometimes if your eyes are cluttered up by the perspective of what you see, you miss the A. You miss the silent call of God. You miss the call. Sometimes if your ears are tuned to the bitterness of people, sometimes if your ears are tuned to the voices of other things, sometimes you'll miss within there the small A, the small call of God. And that's what I believe that Mordecai heard. He was living in a place where God's voice was distant. They were outside the presence of God. They were about to face genocide. But yet in the midst of that, he must have heard something in his heart, the whisper of the Holy Spirit. Of course, the whisper of God. I put it here. I put you here. I want to encourage you with this. Sometimes... It is almost inaudible, but it's present. The Hebrew language has two words that sound the same, but in fact completely different. They're almost opposite. One is mikra, and the other one is mikra. Mikra and mikra. Look at that. They're twins. But if you look at one, the, the, foot, the top one so has, again has the A on the end of it. The other one has a, a H. Uh, I don't know if you're into linguistics or anything like that. But essentially it means this. One, they sound the same. But they have a slight pronunciation difference in them. And it's the difference of this A. The word mikra means this. It is the, again, it's the belief that, and the understanding that nothing that we do is done except by the hand of God. In other words, that God's hand of providence is on our life every step of the way. In our lives, when it feels like when you're in business, when it feels like the bills aren't coming in, when it feels like this, when you feel like that God is so separate, or that God's hand is upon our life the whole way through. The other word, mikra, simply means this, that our life is just pure by coincidence. So every one of us have the option to live a different way. And Mordecai, he lived, they lived according to mikra, that this, that even though it kind of sounds the same, they're completely different opposite. And sometimes... We have to tune our ears to hear that still small voice of the A. My encouragement to you today is this, that often we find it hard to hear God's call. It might even be a silent call. In Hebrew, this is known as the voice that you can only hear if you're listening. Even in our darkest hour or difficult times, God is always calling us to do something. And today we have the, the gift of the Holy Spirit within our lives. The Holy Spirit is always present with us. He will never leave us, even in our darkest times. Even in my darkest times, I felt it difficult to hear the Holy, feel the Holy Spirit's presence. But if I would have an ear to hear and eyes to see, if I would still my heart from the distraction, the clutter, I would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit just to prompt. It's okay. I've set you up for this. I'm with you. I want you to do this. I've put you to this place for this reason. The thing is, you and I can live our lives like this, either by coincidence, that every person that comes into our life is by coincidence, everything that happens to us is either just good luck or bad luck, 
Or you can choose to live your life like this, that sometimes the voice of God is still and it's quiet. And that if you have ears to hear and eyes to see, you'll see that God is working consistently in our midst. You'll see that God is consistently working in your life, even before you even knew him. You may be here today. The fact that you are here today is not by mikra, but it is by mikra that God has got his hand upon your life. You are here today, not just because you made a decision, but because the Holy Spirit has led you to this place at this time for a particular purpose. Wherever you are, wherever any one of us find ourselves, God is always calling us to do something, not to remain silent. When we live with the belief that the Holy Spirit is always with us, we will have the awareness that our next action may just be the action that unfolds the destiny of something else. The person that we say hello to, the person that we greet, the person that we introduce, the offense that we hold on to, the offense that we let go, the disappointment that we hold on to, the disappointment we let go, the decision to give to this person, the decision to give to that person, the decision to speak up, the decision to withhold. Every one of those decisions ultimately shape the course of our life. And if we would hear the Holy Spirit and be aware of his presence, that we'd live our lives on the basis and the belief, the, the fundamental belief that the Lord is with us and the Lord is leading me and the Lord is guiding me. Let us never get to the point where it feels like the Lord has stopped talking and we make a decision to remain silent and run away. Because that, my friend, will hinder and stop. Your life will just end off disappearing. I want to just read you a couple of stories and then I'm going to finish up. Viktor Frankl was a psychotherapist working with university students in Vienna and was taken to Auschwitz in the Second World War. He was facing the Holocaust. Yet Viktor Frankl was a man of faith and he knew God was calling him to do something even there, even at the gates of hell itself. He asked himself, what does God want of me, a psychotherapist, in the middle of Auschwitz? And he came to this answer. God wants me to give my fellow prisoners, or the people around me, a will to live. Because only if they have that will will they have the strength to survive. So he went around each prisoner he thought was about to fall over into despair and gave them one role in life that they had yet to fulfill. What this did was renewed a sense of purpose and caused these men, women, and children to stay alive and survive Auschwitz, to be liberated and go into their calling. This is what Viktor Frankl heard, even in Auschwitz. He heard the still, small voice of the Lord, even in the gates of hell himself. Heard the voice of the Lord. I want you to do something with these people. There is never a place where we find ourselves in life that God has not wanted to speak to us or not calling us to do something. Here's another cool story. Eddie Jacobson. Eddie Jacobson was an ordinary Jewish guy from New York. He was a carpet layer, maybe. I don't know. When Eddie was a child, they moved to Kansas City where he met another child his own age. They became close school friends. They did military service together during the First World War and then decided that when the war was over that they would go into business together. So they set up a clothing shop in Kansas City, but the business was not a great success, and they soon drifted apart. 
Eddie Jacobson went on to be a traveling salesman selling clothes. But his friend, Harry S. Truman, took a different route and ended up as the United States president. In 1947 to 1948, the Jews of the world needed the support of the United States of America for the state of Israel to be proclaimed and recognized. The State Department was against it and advised the president not to support the creation of the state of Israel. Jews and Jewish organizations tried everything that they could to get to see the president in the White House. Every single t attempt was refused. Even the leader of the Zionist movement, Chaim Weizmann, the man who would ultimately become the first president of the state of Israel, was refused a meeting. As time became desperate, somebody remembered that Harry Truman had a childhood friend called Eddie Jacobson. So they reached out to Eddie and asked if he could get the president of the state, United States to meet with, with Mr. Wiseman. So Eddie phoned up the president and said, oh, I, come to, I want to come and see you. Truman's officials tried to block the meeting. Truman said, this is my old friend, Eddie, from high school, from the army. Eddie, we had a shop together. How can I not see this man? So Eddie arrived at the White House. And Truman said to Eddie, Eddie, you can talk to me about anything you like except Israel. Okay, said Eddie, as he stood in the Oval Office in front of the presidents of the United States. He stood there and he began to cry. And Harry asked him, Eddie, why are you crying? And Eddie pointed a marble statue in the room and said, Who is that, Harry? President Truman said, This is my hero, Andrew Jackson. Truman replied, You would really this, you admire this guy? Eddie asked him. He said, Yeah, he's one of my heroes. And then he said, I have a hero. His name is Chaim Wiseman. Harry, for my sake, would you see this man? And Harry looked at Eddie and he knew that he could not say to his old friend, No. This is how. Chaim Wiseman got to see President Harry Truman. And that is how America voted in favor of the creation of the State of Israel. If they had not have voted, Israel would never have been brought into being in our lifetime. What's more, Harry Truman made the United States the first country in the world to recognize the state when David Gurion pronounced it. Eddie Jacobson just had a friend called Harry. Who knew that in the course of life that their path would come back together again? And that a clothing salesman, a failed one at that, eventually came to the position where he could influence the state of Israel being born today. I felt the same call going to Pakistan. I was facing some challenges. I was facing some times where I felt like God wasn't talking. There was challenges on all sides. And I had the option. I had an option of one saying, well, just pursue and just go and make some money. <laughs> or I had the option to go and take my family to Pakistan. Right then at that time, terrorism was on the rise in the world. I didn't hear a booming voice from God, from heaven. In the midst of my pain, I felt the still small mikra of the Lord saying, 
appointed you, I've created you for such a time as this. I've brought you to this place at this time. And if you don't remain silent, if you remain silent, then help will come from somewhere else. Yes, it was risky, but we made a choice to go out. We made a choice to go and connect with people. The most amazing connections took place. And when I reflect back, I saw the hand of God was moving and directing our life the whole way through. God had to position me into a place where I had to be willing to go. When I look back, God used us, used us as a family to bring hope to millions and millions of people across the Middle East. I had the option to stay silent. And now I believe God is calling us again. Not in the Middle East. Not in America. They need Jesus too. But this time it's New Zealand. This time it's our our city, it's our nation. You think this is a conference for the sake of a conference? No. It's the still small voice of the Lord. If you don't do something, somebody else will. If you remain silent at this time, I'll raise somebody else up who will have the courage. The same for our city. We're in a place right now where our nation needs people that would stand up. Bring hope to the people around them. Not just to stand here and, hallelujah, Jesus, bless me, Lord. God has brought you to this place and to this church. And the family and the upbringing and the education that you have or have not have, the weaknesses, the failures, absolutely everything, the color of your skin, the, the height, the, whether you're tall or short, doesn't, God has ordained all of it for such a time as this. Even your failures, even what you thought were mistakes in your life, even what you thought were dire situations, in the middle of it, when you look back, you can see the hand of God was there all the way. Now I believe that God's got us into a place right now where even right now, I believe we are again on the forefront of God doing something powerful in our nation. I can see it. I can, it's not a great big booming voice from heaven, not at all. It is the still small voice of the Lord saying, I've brought you to this time. I've brought us to this place at this time. And if you don't stay, if you remain silent at this time, don't think you're going to be saved. I mean, you're not going to lose your salvation, but your life will just, who knows? But if you tithe, you make a decision today to stand up with all the risks, and there's plenty of risks. <laughs> it would be boring without it. If you're willing to put yourself on the line, if you're willing to stand up and be a voice, if you're willing to not draw back and try and save yourself, but if you're willing to step forward and to say, I'm going to respond to the call of God. Esther didn't hear the big boomy voice of God. She heard it through a messenger from her uncle. It wasn't even direct, but yet she responded. God has brought us, church, to this place at this time. God has brought you here to this place at this time. You want to change the world? The best way is this, one life at a time, one day at a time, one act at a time, never knowing 
the fact that you reached out to this person, the fact that you reached out to this person. You didn't remain silent. You just didn't go take your own self home for lunch. <laughs> you reached out to somebody and took them. You took the time to believe in them. You took the time to, to get into their life. You took the time to love them. You took the time to believe in them. No matter how far God seems from you, you still took the time. That one life at a time, your life can be changed. One life at a time, one act at a time, you'll find that you can look back and say, every one of those God had a hand on. I encourage us, friends. You don't have to be a superstar. You don't have to be a, an apostle to change the world. You can be like Eddie Jacobson. <laughs> Clothing salesman. You can be a carpet layer. <laughs> You can be a high school teacher. You can be a lawyer. You can be a businessman. You could be a whatever you like, wherever you are. If you live with the sense of that purpose that God has never forsaken me, God is always there, that if I'd be willing to stop and to hear his voice, hear his call and respond, destiny will unfold in your life. Was it not for this moment that you were placed on this earth? When God calls us, may each and every one of us have the courage and the strength to say, here am I, I'll do it. When God brings this person in their life, may we have the bigness of heart to say, welcome. God brings us up to a position when God does an amazing thing, when God, even if, even if it seems small, may each and every one of us have the courage to say, yes, I will not remain silent. I will step forward. I will be the voice. Amen. Amen. I tell you, when I look back, and I look back at what God is doing through Pakistan now, if I never did another thing in the world, know that I just responded when it was time to respond and to see the, the hope, the volume of hope the, the millions of lives that have been touched when I look back I'd say all of it was worth it even my little mistakes that people kind of had to guard me about, it was all worth it <laughs> it was all worth it my weaknesses, my strengths, the whole lot was all worth it to look back and say yes I didn't remain silent I wonder, and I was a floor sander. I, I just finished with this. Here I was, where I, I was in this room, this big conference, and and the top leaders of Christendom were in the world. Where Dr. Yongi Cho, pastor of the largest church in the world, he's there. Got the Grand Imam. He got the, probably the fifth largest mosque in the world. He was there. Dr. A.R. Bernard, one of the main power brokers in politics and in, in, in America. A church of 40,000. He was there. All these people were there. And I was there thinking, I made this happen simply by saying, yes. Remember Dr. Bernard looked at me in the eyes and he said, how are you connected here? Because one of these ones did not like, like the others. <laughs> you know, I, my hair kind of spiked up like that and I was trying to dress up and I was, you know, whatever. 
And I said, oh, look, I'm, I'm a flooring contractor. <laughs> he, was, he had a look of bewilderment on his face. The point being is this. If you would just say yes, if you would just be aware that whatever is happening in your life, that God is happening, God's hand is upon you. And if you would respond to him, who knows where that would lead you? Who knows that maybe you're the one, the Eddie Jacobs and the Dave Connell, the somebody that shifted the course of history. I see God moving upon the island people and the Polynesian people and the Tangata Whenua. I'm just saying, yes, Lord, I'm just going to do what I can to facilitate that. I'm certainly not going to stand back, but I will step forward and say, I will take a risk because I believe that God wants to touch these people. And I'm going to be looking back, and I hope you're going to be looking back with me as we look back and say, God, you used us. We stepped forward. We made a difference in our nation. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Come on, let's stand to our feet. has always had his hand upon. He's as close to you today as he's ever been. It's time for you to arise again. Touch your Holy Spirit. Stu and Katie, God has brought you to this place at this time for such a time as this. God's hand is upon your life. It's always been a hand on, on your life. Today, hear his voice again. Hear his voice afresh for your life. Nathan and Rebecca Tuff, the Lord's brought you to this place at this time for this purpose. God's got His hand upon your life. God's got His hand upon your life. You need to know that today. God is leading you. He is guiding you with you. His, His presence is with you today. Today, right now, you'll hear His voice if you incline your ear. Today, maybe you're here. You don't know Jesus Christ. 
We're just going to sing this song one more time. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to lead you in a prayer. As we start to worship, as we start to sing one more time, I'd love for you just to come to the front. I'd love to pray with you. Come on, church, let's sing this morning. pray you hand a blessing of every household here today. Lord, that every one of us would hear, have ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, that we're in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of what we're facing, that we would hear your small, still voice in our heart. Lord, help us to follow the leading and the guiding of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I bless every home here today in Jesus' name. All God's people said, come on, all God's people said, all right. Thank you so much for coming. I encourage you just to reflect back. Reflect back and you'll discover that the hand of God has always been upon your life. Let's live our lives with the purpose and the understanding that God has always got us here for something to do, to be something to somebody, to bring hope. God bless you all.